When faced with a loss, it is no use trying to recover what has gone. On the other hand, a great space has been opened up in your life. There it lies, empty, waiting to be filled with something new. At the moment of one's loss, contradictory as this might seem, one is being given a large slice of freedom. Paulo Coelho Human lives can often be measured by the paths they choose to walk. Some are laid out before them, and others are paths that they choose to forge for themselves from the beginning. Still, some paths are created when we reach a dead end on a road that we thought was taking us to where we needed to be. In those moments, we have a choice to turn around and go back, or to swallow our disappointment and muster the courage necessary to step into the unknown. There are no guarantees when we do this that we will reach our destination, but often in doing so we realize that we were meant to be somewhere completely different. Has your journey been a series of paths laid out before you, or has it been a trail you blazed for yourself? When dead ends appeared, what did you do? As we make our way down our chosen roads, let me invite you to sit back, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. I'm Rob Celtic, and this is Drinking and Dance at the End of the World. Welcome back to Drinking and Dance at the End of the World. Today, I have the honor of welcoming a master to the show. He is a dancer, educator, practitioner, historian, ethnographer, author, and documentarian. An assistant professor of practice at the University of Southern California, Kaufman International School of Dance, specializing in the pedagogical practices of what he calls the morphology of Afrokinetic memory or African-American social dance forms over the last four centuries for us lay folk. He performed with Rennie Harris Pure Movement for 10 years, held a seven-year appointment at Drexel University, a five-year appointment at Wesleyan University, and a two-year appointment at the Yale School of Drama and the, oh, help me, Ballet <laughs> Academien in Sweden. That works, that works. <laughs> <laughs> Just to name a few. Um his published works appear in Jazz Dance, A History of the Roots and Branches, and Sage Encyclopedia of African Cultural Heritage in North America. His first documentary, The History and Concept of Hip-Hop Dance, was published by Dance Time Publication. And his first book, Beginning Hip-Hop Dance, is published by Human Kinetics, which, if you're paying attention, means that he literally wrote the book on hip-hop dance. It says here that his will was recently updated to state that when he is finally laid to rest several decades from now, he will be buried wearing his USC hoodie, a Kangol flat cap, and, quote, the freshest kicks. We assume he will also be wearing pants, but this has yet to be substantiated. 
<laughs> it is my honor to welcome Monsell Il Cosby Durden, aka the Funky Mojo, aka the Professor of Hip Hop, onto this humble podcast. Monsell, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, that is that is the best intro ever. <laughs> hey, I uh, very much. I'm honored that you would say so. Yeah, I do my best, and um, I don't ever tell people what I'm gonna do regarding their intro. But if anybody's heard this show at least one other time, I do this stuff for. As, yeah, really? I, I just I just like playing, so here we are. Really? Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna have a Jerry curl when they lay me to rest. I'm oh! a Jerry curl wig. Yes. Put me in a Jerry curl wig. <laughs> And some old school shades. I want me a shaft jacket. Oh, no, yeah. no pants, some high slippers. <laughs> oh, that is perfect. Well, y'all heard it here first. This is gonna be the open casket funeral of the century, y'all. That's right. It's gonna be popping. Disco lights and everything. Come on, we going 70s. I want roller skating theme. Mm. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, it's gonna be a party. It has to be. That's it has death, to be. death it, must it be the celebration. You know, it has to be. And God knows after the work you put in, you've earned it. So I um, guess so. <laughs> what are you drinking today, Monsell, for the uh, the people at home? I am drinking organic ginger chamomile tea. Mm. Wholesome. Love it. Or ginger tea with chamomile. Depends on how you want to say it. Yeah, depends on where your priorities are. Exactly. I am drinking black coffee um, because I'm basic. Uh, <laughs> so if that's, I had some coffee, I'd be joining you because Lord knows I miss drinking coffee. Oof, oof. Yeah, I mean, you can't drink coffee anymore? Um, it, it's best for me to stay away from it. Uh, it's, the, it's the caffeine. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah, I'm getting older and my body is like, uh, yeah, dude. We need you to slow down with this. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to listen. I never, I never used to drink coffee when I was younger. And then, like, one day I just started, and then eventually I was a barista. And yeah, man, that caffeine, when you're chasing that electric pony, it's, it's a, it's a hard ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, and that's not, I just like to taste the coffee. Oh, it's delicious. Like, yeah, yeah I could drink it. I could damn that. I can't drink it like why not drink it, but I can drink it. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to why not yo that's my brother and he go back to back all day with coffee i can't do it uh you dancers in academia need your caffeine though yeah, just give me a couple bars of chocolate mm, some, cho I some chocolate some chocolate covered almonds and i'm good Oof. oh singing but my I, song but i gotta watch it on those two <laughs> uh, yeah well such is life in any yeah. case cheers sir to your health Cheers to you. Mm. So first question I'd like to ask um, pretty much every guest I have is who inspired you while you were coming up and who inspires you today? Um, I guess that's a number of people actually, and, it, and it's going to depend on a lot of different situations, but I can say uh, Michael Jackson was a huge inspiration to me when I was a kid mm. for dancing. Truly. Went to one of his concerts. I've only been to one of his concerts. But the concert I went to, I literally uh, danced at the end of his concert and captivated half of the audience that was there. They even put me on the, they even put me on the jumbo screen, oh. um, which was freaking amazing. I literally, literally danced holes in my shoes that night um, because we were on gravel and 
and I had like these rubber soled shoes on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, spinning and doing all stuff. I literally danced holes in those shoes. Um, that was amazing. <sighs> and he he kind of was an inspiration for dancing and um then to be, you know, quote unquote become a professional dancer. Mm-hmm. That 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 is all owed to um I would say that's owed to stretch and mop top. Not not just them. Everybody in that era, Scoob and Scrap, you know, at, at, like everybody in that era, um, all the women, the Tifa's dancers and, and, and Lights dancers, like everybody in that era. But Stretch and Mop Top was the strongest influence for me to want to dance with them mm. because, you know, everybody else had their dancers. Yeah. and But they, Mop Top and IOU dancers dance for different people. You would see them in different videos, mm-hmm. um, especially mop tops. So I was like, yeah, I keep seeing these cats. And they just had a profound influence on me um, to like want to pursue dance as a, as a career choice. A shout out to Stretch and Mop Top. Uh, and now. I don't know. I need to think about that. I don't know who who is definitely not for movement. I've, I've lost. uh it's not for movement. Like Pete inspires me. Popping Pete inspires me because Pete's damn near 60 and dancing like he's 30. Um, and looks like he's 30. <laughs> but, right? uh, um, yeah, it's just like now it's different reasons. Like my boy, my, uh, my boy, Sabella Grimes inspires me um, because of his artistic ability. His thought process is freaking amazing. It's out of this world. Uh, my boy Xavier, uh, Raphael Xavier, um, who does hip hop theater, is a, a, a breaker and just does phenomenal work for the community, mm. uh, creating stuff. He actually is just dropped an, a new album called, I think it's called The Black Duke, because he's an MC. He, 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 uh, if you don't know Raphael Xavier, you don't know Squat. This dude is underrated, but he's freaking phenomenal well we will Um, see if we can uh add uh, a link to that work in the show notes for this episode for anyone who wants to do who wants to dive deeper into what monsell's talking about yeah i think i think uh they inspire me but then and then uh michelle bird mcphee is a huge inspiration Mm. to me Mm. she's she runs ladies of hip-hop michelle's always been inspiring to me and um i will go through a list of women who inspire me for like the, 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 you know, quote unquote scholarly work I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really a, a list of women that inspire me. Yeah. Um, Michelle, Michelle is amazing. She was on episode 15 of this podcast yeah. and it first off, like she was just one of the nicest people I've had the pleasure of speaking to. And that, yeah. that really says something in this culture, like, cause there are yeah. so many awesome humans, but um, yeah, it, it, she was just immediately warm and and uh, vulnerable and powerful at the same time, and it was just a wonderful experience. Yeah. So she is a gem, man. And I'm gonna tell you that the women don't get enough love, in my opinion. Second, and I support I support all of them. Whatever they do, I got their back. Um, but yeah, they you know Latasha Barnes inspires me. Episode two, um, baby. Tasha, <laughs> Tasha is my girl. I she yeah. has helped me so much in the last few months, like dealing with difficult yeah. life stuff. She's 
and she's just a total powerhouse and i oof, yeah you're singing my song yeah. <laughs> true and it's you know it's beyond the dance it's just like who you know um Desla inspires me. Uh, Junior's Brickhouse inspires me. Mm. Um, Shout out Assassins. Uh, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, the list is just, it's too many. I got, the, the, the names are just rushing my brain right now. I can't even think. <laughs> you know, Imani Johnson, who is a scholar, she's at Riverside. Mm. She inspires me to go deeper. Melanie George inspires me to go deeper. Camille Brown inspires me to go deeper. Like, the, the the women, it is the women, it has always been the women um, that push us to be at our best selves. And unfortunately, it's the women that don't get recognized. Absolutely. Being stronger than men, in my opinion, in every facet. Absolutely. Um, but just, you know, denied their place because of, of, of fragile male ego. And I'm talking about throughout history, you know, throughout time. Yeah. Men's, men's fragile ego has place themselves in a position of power that you know they just they're not acknowledging the women come before them we've taken power that doesn't belong to us exactly yeah exactly and still don't know how to harness it <laughs> exactly you know what i'm saying like we 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 got we got the glove and we got all the we got all the gemstones but we don't know what to do with it oh love that thanos reference shout out to all my marvel nerds <laughs> <laughs> um, as mentioned in the in the introduction, you have written and produced an impressive body of work detailing and preserving the history of black dance in America. Did you always know you'd be doing this work, and what led you to pursue it? No, um, I actually think it's it's not a lot, um, but it's definitely been over many years, and. Um, I had no idea I was going to do this. Like I said, I was I was inspired by Mob Top to pursue a career in dance. I thought what I wanted to do was be. It wasn't so much dance behind people. Mm-hmm. My I never cared about the artist because the artists they don't dance, so I they didn't do it for me. Yep. Um, I I always wanted to dance with Mop Top. That was my goal. I want to be in Mop Top. I want to be in Elite Force. That was my goal. Yeah. Um, that goal was shitted on, but. It's okay. I'm sorry if I'm I'm cursing. I'll keep the, the language straight. Oh no, I uh, I curse all the time on this podcast. Okay. You go crazy if that's what you want. Right, well, Be good. I can curse like a sailor, but I don't normally do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Well, uh, yeah, um, you know I, I like to not use that if I don't if I don't if it's not necessary. Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, like that that the goal was to do that. And then I started doing it and it was fun. And I, you know, I, I did the most work probably with Rennie Harris pure movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done shows with mop top. I became a member of mop top in 98, but I haven't, I've done more shows with, with pure movement, Rennie Harris pure movement. And um, that doing it, it was fun. And it was like, what I enjoyed was dancing with the people that I was on stage with. I never really, I was never thrilled to perform for other people. It wasn't never about me entertaining others Mm -hmm. Uh, because I always felt like they don't even know what they're looking at. You know, if I did a flip, they would be entertained. And I'm like, I'm not drawn to that. So it's the intricacy of dance. It's the part that they don't understand because I'm dancing for the dancers in the audience, not for the audience. Well, it's like Archie says, like they have the privilege of watching you. Right. 
And I, you know, I would go back and forth because at certain sometimes I felt like, you know, you put a coin in me and I'm a dance for you. And I, I was not, I was not happy with that. We all been and, there. Um, <laughs> right. We all been so, there. <laughs> so that, you know, that was the, like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then on that train, on that trail, on that course, I saw windows of opportunities to my left and to my right. Mm. And, um, you know, I, 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 re- I quickly realized that goals are not always meant to be reached. Mm. That goals are the thing to set you on a path so that you can cross the thing that you're actually supposed to do. But you have to be open to see it and Oof. then take that journey like, oh, I'm actually I feel something pulling me to the left. I thought I what, what I wanted was in front of me, but what's in front of me was just the thing to get me in a direction so I can see what's on the left. Oh, amen to and, that. Right. And so teaching became a thing. And and even that was an accident. Um, because when when I first joined Pure Movement, when they were on tour, you know, I was an apprentice for two years. Mm-hmm. And so while they, they were on tour, I would cover uh crickets classes and Raphael's class. And that's what really got me into teaching. I didn't know what I was doing, but that started me off. And mm. then a couple of years later, I got hired at University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And then soon after that, Drexel University. And that's what started me on this teaching path. And uh, something that Rennie said to me uh, back in 99, I believe, uh, Rennie said to me, he said, Sell know your stuff Mm. but know their stuff and he said when anybody tries to dismiss what you do you use their information because they believe that Mm. to prove your point and their meaning you know the 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 dance bubble that we still exist in where you know uh ballet is perceived to be a higher art oh thank you you. modern and all that right which there's there's no such thing as hierarchy in dance that's a (laughs) a, you know a constructed idea that represents 17th 16th 17th 18th century dance um that is really labeled down to a very small group of people in the high courts so-called high courts who thought they were above everyone else and not not just the rest of the world. They thought that they were above people in their own culture and society. Yep. Because if you if you lived in France, you know, we always had a conversation around Louis XIV mm-hmm. um, and, and the Italians codifying the minuet to come up with the five positions in ballet and mm-hmm. so on and so on. But even if you lived in France, if you didn't have the leisure, the leisure, the, the money, the time to study the 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 geometric patterning in dances uh you were thought of someone that of poor breeding you were a peasant yeah a rude so right so you know they they thought bad about their own people well that's you know and not to not to interrupt but that like leads perfectly into what i wanted to discuss with you because i um you know, like uh, I mentioned in episode 15, we had uh, Michelle Bird McPhee on and she's returning to the world of academia this autumn. Uh, she'll be teaching mm-hmm. a course on women in hip hop at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. 
Um, myself being a graduate of the University of Iowa with a degree in dance, I spoke with her about the state of black dances in higher education and about how in most college dance degrees, Eurocentric dances, uh, particularly ballet and modern are required as the foundation of technique, while African or African diasporic dances are treated as unnecessary electives. And I, right. I looked into the curriculum, actually, before uh, when you told me where you were teaching, I looked into the curriculum for the Kaufman School of Dance, where you're an assistant professor of practice. And I was pleasantly surprised to see requirements for hip hop and partnering. Um, but it does seem that ballet, even even there in this this progressive like medium, like it does seem that ballet is still the one course that seems to be required for the majority of a student's training. It was. It is no longer. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. What, uh, how did, yeah. oh, we, what was the progression? Everybody complaining. <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want to say complaining, but everybody was like, yeah, no, 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 this is, this is, we need to make some adjustments. And, um, and, you know, it took time, but we made the adjustments like this year. Uh, normally I had hip hop. I would see the sophomores twice a week because first of all, we're the only school uh, that I know of that has four practitioners in a university teaching hip hop. That's beautiful. Uh, UW with Dwayne is going is going to have two with Dwayne and Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she's. I don't know what the situation with like is she there there. I don't know. Um, or is she just coming in for residency? I don't know what that is, but um, usually most of the schools, a lot of schools have one, mm-hmm. but we're, we are the first school with four practitioners. We are the first school that hip hop is required uh, as part of the BFA. Mm. So even if you're a ballerina, you have to take hip hop. There's no way to get through our program. You have to. Um, but now instead of having the sophomores, uh, twice a week. I have them four times a week. Oh, that is beautiful. So we got so ballet. If you want to take ballet, if you're like ballet is your thing, and you want to focus on ballet, you do have that option. Um, but the re- the requirement for hip hop now is four times. We have four times a week. That is amazing. And they honest like tell whoever's in charge of that they gotta update their website because it is as of this morning it is still saying like two times a week. Saying- so. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let them know. And then, I haven't been on the website. Yeah, and then the juniors, you know, have the choice of backing off ballet at three or something. But I'm like, okay, cool. That's that's nice. But it's still like there's still this this uh, little hierarchy, it seems. But that's that's amazing. That's wonderful news. And I'm happy to hear it. And I wish I wish I'd been in a program like that uh, when yeah, I was in college. It's changing. It's definitely changing. Like the students have a lot of say. Like we're we are in constant conversation with with each other, mm. and even like it's not like, you know, for the faculty we it's a family. For me, it's a family. We are always in conversation with each other with the with the ballet teachers. We are always in conversation mm. with each other. I I go in and to the ballet classes. The ballet teachers are coming to my classes, and we're just in conversations about each other's forms, the history, still a lot, still a long way to go. Yeah. But the communication is there. And I've, I've been at some schools where they don't even communicate, you know, the ballet people don't even, they don't want nothing to do with hip hop. Oh yeah. Um, well, but in, in, in our, our school, mm-hmm. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in our school, at least 10 years ago when I was a student there, it was very much treated as a novelty. And they'd say nice things yeah. about it, but it was always in this condescending like, oh, that's so neat. Like, you know, oh, look, that's so fun, you know, right. and, and then go back to, all right, students, this is the foundation of all dance. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, no, that that does not happen. That's some colonialism. Yeah, that does not happen in our school. Oh. Um they, you know, they all respect what we do. As a matter of fact, I've been see one, two, three, four, five of our faculty members who identify as white mm-hmm. uh, took my for my my summer course on um, on Zoom. They took they were in there every Dang. week. They were in there every week, getting getting you know getting whatever they can get out of it, and it's like. You know, we're the 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 thing I'm definitely proud to say is like that again that we're in conversation, we're open to change, we're definitely into listening, and we listen to our students. The faculty is from from my point, my vantage point, faculty and staff and students are listening to one another. As a matter of fact, the students, um, uh, I forget who actually drove this. Uh, I think it was Zachary Torres. Um, that one, uh, one of or a couple of our students actually drove the conversation behind gender identity, and they are we are no longer um, calling you know like you know a ballet class they'll have men's class and women's class. Mm. They're they're no longer doing that. That's fantastic. So, so and I you know the the gender identity roles within the movement they're reshaping all of that cuz you know ballet is like well the men do this this is a men's class they do getting rid of it well the the lindy hop scene had to do that as well uh over the last uh decade or so with switching but, but to lindy lead, lead and follow huh yeah but but lindy i mean lindy did it whether or not it was acceptable mm-hmm. Lindy Lindy did it even as a core movement because men were men, uh, women were throwing men around as much as they could. That is you know? amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, look at the old footage of them. Whether you look at, I mean, I saw a little know, bit in Hell's a Poppin'. Um, Hell's a Poppin'. Look at Spirit Moves. Men, women are throwing men around just as much as men are throwing women around, and men were throwing other men around. Baller. Like men would dance. When you look at the spirit moves, you will see men dancing with men. Baller. Full out, full out Lindy. And and you know, women like look look at um um uh Willow May Ricker and Al Al uh Al Men's in Hell's a Poppin'. Mm-hmm. She holds him up. Yes, I remember that. I remember that bit. Like everybody's flipping everybody in Lindy Hop. If mm-hmm. you can do it, let's let's go. So you know there 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 was no gender identity really, mm-hmm. um, uh, in my opinion. And Lindy, it could it, everybody was open to do whatever. You just need to learn that. So do you think it became a little more gendered when the Renaissance happened? Possibly. I mean, it's a sticky situation because you're also talking about you know the, the with Frankie Frankie coming from a time period and the way that you have conversation about men and women and, in Frankie's time. And period. for those for those who aren't aware, we're speaking about the late Frankie Manning. Yes, and so just for all the elders growing up in a time period where there were no serious gender conversations, um, you know, and Frankie 
would would have class and still talking about you know his experience growing up you know i'm you're, you're supposed you're dancing with a woman and everything everything was this hetero idea yeah um so you know it, and it's and it's like oh, that's not the times we living in right now but i don't expect you to adjust to that because you're like in your 80s 90s yeah that's not part of your lived experience it's going to be difficult for you to adjust that um but that shift wasn't really pushed in the 80s mm-hmm. so much when the so-called resurgence which i hate the idea that there was a resurgence of Lindy Hop. That's for people who don't know squat about, <laughs> about black culture. <laughs> no, for I mean, like if if uh, if both Tasha and D. Daniels Locke both learned from their grandparents, that means like the dance didn't die didn't, or go anywhere. Did, did, Y'all did just not. didn't pay attention to it. And they don't people if if it's not part of your culture, you may not understand how it morphs. Mm-hmm. This when I talk about the morphology, because you know, Lindy, Lindy for the for 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 let's say let's use Frankie. Mm-hmm. So anybody from that generation, that is their dance. It as long as they are alive, that is what they will reflect on in their movement of when they were young and the music that they grew up listening to. So it didn't stop just because you didn't see it on television or wherever. Doesn't mean it stopped. Those people are still alive. That's the dance. That's their go-to dance. But it also morphed into uh, the bops, the Philly bop. It, it turned into DC hand dancing. It turned into Chicago stepping. Chicago it turned stepping. into other things. And if you don't recognize how it morphs from generation to generation, you're going to think, oh, it stopped. It didn't stop. A new generation is expressing it in a different way. And that's the thing that I, you know, I've been introduced to this culture um, over the last few years. Like uh, five years ago, I started dating uh, Lindy Hopper and she introduced me to like just the entire uh, culture as it is now, which is admittedly pretty gentrified. Um, And it seems it's very much seems like, you know, you go out there and you get a bunch of these cosplayers you know, cosplaying what it was like uh, in, in the twenties, et cetera. And they have these ideas about like, Oh, well we rediscovered it. We, we, uh, you know, <laughs> if it were, we, we found Frankie Manning in the, in the post office. And if it weren't for us, like nobody would be doing this stuff so that they use that white dancers today use that as like grounds to like claim Lindy hop uh, yeah. as their own. And if you, take a second and talk to any black person doing Lindy Hop today, regardless of generation, you'll see how ludicrous that idea is. Yep. You know? It's it's like I said, you know, there's this guy, I don't know his real name, he changed his name to Black Hawk Hancock. He wrote two ridiculous articles to me. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I think one of the articles is called Stepping Out of Whiteness. And the other article, what? Called, yeah, and the other article is called "Put Some Color on That." Um, and <laughs> just, oh my god, I damn near had a heart attack. Go on, yeah. it's insane because, like, the the <laughs> he talks about in this article, and and I just wrote, I just wrote a new article called called "The Morphology of Afrokinetic Memory." Okay. Um, and it's coming out in this new book called uh, 21st Century Jazz. I think the book's coming out next year. 
sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I went at this dude tooth and nail, and you know the editors like, yeah, we need you to pull back. <laughs> so, nah, man, so, you're doing the Lord's work there, Monster. <laughs> I know, right? So I was like, all right, all right, all right. Um, but you know, he his article is so ludicrous. Like he literally says, so he's he's a Lindy Hop dancer. Mm, clearly, came into the knowledge of Lindy Hop. Mm-hmm. And then he and his partner, I don't know if it's his wife or not, but he and his partner decided that they wanted to learn Chicago stepping. Now, obviously, they live in Chicago. I don't know where in Chicago. He doesn't say. But he does say that he goes to the south side of Chicago okay. to go to, you know, the steppers clubs. Yeah. And, you know, he gets the the, the, the normal greeting, like, you know, who is it, a predominantly black, uh, black patron club and who is a white couple coming here? Why are they in here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they start to dance and people are like, oh, they can dance. He never, at least in the article, he never divulges that he's a Lindy Hop dancer. Stepping comes out of Lindy Hop. So if you can Lindy Hop, of course you can pick up Stepping. Yeah. But he's giving himself pats on the back because these people are acknowledging that he's a good dancer. Oh, but, you don't t- but you don't tell them that you're a Lindy Hop dancer. And so then he, he says stuff like, you know, I wanted to dress like they dress, so I went to the places where they bought. I was like, that's costuming. Because they wear those gaiters and those suits to work into church. Do you wear those gaiters and the suits that you buy to go dancing in? Do you wear them in there to, to your church? Or mm. when something goes down in South Side Chicago where you can come in and easily leave? Do mm-hmm. you help out when the kids are shooting and people get murdered? Are you there? So he he places Damn. himself as like a member of this society. I'm like, you're not a member. You're, you're playing dressed up. You're coming in with white privilege that allows you to be in a space and leave at will. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, man, you're not, you're not eating this. This ain't Sunday dinner. You're not doing all that. You're just, you're playing a role. And I was like this, and there's so, just the way he talks, I'm like, you're clueless about as, as to what's going on. And he doesn't, and I think put some color on that. He interviews other people. And one person says, like, well, you know, if, if black people drop the ball and, the dance and white people picked it up, I'm like, listen, you you cannot drop culture. Culture is within. It's not something you put down and then you pick it up. And you're not allowed, and somebody else is not allowed to come in and pick it up without understanding the nuance of your social, political, economical, environmental, and spiritual practice that informs that lived experience. So it's so much in that article he is not acknowledging or he mm-hmm. does not understand. And I think most people in the society think that, like, you know, we refurbished it or we found it or we re, 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 whatever we did. And I'm like, y'all didn't do squat because you weren't even in club culture. So the fact that you're not in a club until you come across this a movement that's in a club and it becomes an activity for you to do after work. Well, we refurbished it in the same way that we refurbished the North American continent, wouldn't you say? <laughs> right, right, right. We, re, we repurposed this. We discovered this. Move, move. Like, what was it? Eddie Azard has this whole bit like, I claim this land, you know, this, un, this in the name of England. And oh, move, excuse me, please. Ah, right, right. I have a flag. <laughs> you right. say you're already here. Do you have a flag? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and well, again, it's. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no, no. I cut you off. I don't even know what I was about to say. It's just, you know, it's just the madness of it. So we can just keep going. Oh, no, no, yeah. I I could do this all day. But I was speaking to to D. Daniels Locke last week in, in my last episode. And she was... 
Um, because every time I'm in a Lindy Hop scene, I, I, you know, I see just this the the sea of white faces and the cosplayers and um, you know, the people that will call it their culture, and then I will see a couple black dancers here and there. You know, and when I do have the privilege of having conversations with them, it's it. There are a lot of similarities that come up. And with her, um, we we had the discussion of, you know, why aren't there more younger black people uh, going into these spaces? And she's like, well, you know, um, it, it's kind of she described this experience of basically having to assimilate into a white idea of what a black cultural dance is. <laughs> True, Even true. though, you know, and like she was told in, in classes that she needed to take the hip hop out of her technique. <laughs> and she's like, well, how the, how the hell, like, that's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. She's, you know, and, and uh, how are you, the audacity of, of, telling someone who comes from that culture to take away the part of themselves that is that culture in a dance that is supposed to be for that culture. Right. And hip hop comes out of Lindy. Yes, absolutely. You know, I was, I was just watching a a battle uh, because I'm a Chicago footworker, a student of King Charles. Uh, I was watching a battle yesterday from 2013 um, between these two crews, uh, the tribe and havoc. And, the tribe sent this this dancer out. He was like the youngest kid in the club. Um, and he just, you know, he went off in this battle. And his movement, I, uh, it was just last night I was watching this. His movement was so much like what you'd see from like the Nicholas brothers. Uh, it was so much like what you'd see like in old footage of Hells of Poppin'. And it wasn't him like studying this shit. He was 13. He was just like doing yeah. him. And I was yeah. like, if that doesn't speak to just the 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 spirit of where these dances come from, I don't know what does. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the thing that, that I find interesting, any dance is a cultural practice, right? It comes mm-hmm. from a group of people. It comes from a lived experience. And so for me, the moment you say you're taking a dance class lets me know that that movement is, does not exist in your community or your mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. Because why do you, I, I didn't need to take a class in any of this. I grew up doing it. My parents did it. Our friends, everybody around me did it. So as soon as I hear that, oh, oh, you, oh you go to dance class? Okay, so this definitely ain't a part of your lived experience because you mm-hmm. need to go to a class to learn it. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the first things when I the first day I met Frankie, he said to me, uh, he said, This is great that all these people come out here and want to learn this dance. But then he leaned into me and was like, But where's our people at? Mm. And I didn't I didn't I didn't say this to him, but in my head I was like, Our people don't need to be here. We already know how to do this. <laughs> like we grow up with this. We grew up with the music because of our parents. Mm-hmm. We grow up seeing our parents dance. Like we could pick this up, and we could show up and pick this up in no time. Yeah, because it's it, it's movement that exists as part of our corporeal expression. Um, and so yeah, it's it's it's. I don't think people understand that because the dance is not separate from the lived practice. Mm. You know, the the gestures and the mannerisms and what have you. Those those come from the way we live and communicate. 
dance is not this arbitrarily thing plucked out of a space vacuum. It, it is developed based off of our ways of communicating, uh, verbally, non-verbally, whatever the gestures and mannerisms are, the way that we walk and mm-hmm. hold ourselves. The dance has come out of that, the thing, the, the jokes that exist, the, the, you know, the, 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 the way that we talk with our hands and the way that we look, the dance has come out of that stuff. Mm. And so it's, it's in our everyday practice. And when it's not in your everyday practice, then people go to classes to learn it. Yeah. And I, you know, in our discussion last week, Dee was saying that, because we were talking about the benefits of uh, modern street dancers today, learning vintage street dance or, you know, getting, going into those spaces. And she's also like, but I understand why they don't, because if you have to swim upstream from the get go, if you know, everything that you bring, bring to the table is devalued by the people that took the dance over, then what's the appeal? What's the point? You know? And, and we're, we're, we are a people who is about speaking our truth in our time. Mm. So the dance that that's popular now for when I was a teenager was, was what I do, even though I was learning everything from the twenties all the way up to the seventies. Yeah. But it was the dances in the seventies. Like, this is my time. This is what I do. This is what I connect to. Um, I don't have to do my parents' dance, but what I'm doing is connected to my parents' dance. Yeah. Because it comes out of that. And so we're constantly moving forward, expressing our time. And there's no need to to go back in a certain sense. Like I don't have to go back because the 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 past exists in my present. Mm. But that's that's not it's not understood that way. No, that's a really, that's a wonderful way of looking at it. And I want to expand on that in the next part. I think we're going to take a quick break. Um, I'm going to pour myself some more coffee um, and we will be right back. So my guest today is Monsell Durden, a.k.a. Il Cosby and the professor. And uh, we will be right back. And we are back. Uh, my guest today is Monsell Durden, uh, the professor of hip hop. Uh, and we were just speaking before the break about uh, he does not call himself this. Uh, many other people call him that. <laughs> um, but um, we were speaking before the break about uh, black dances um, and how they evolve over time um, and the idea of uh black people today not really needing to take part in dances that their parents or their grandparents did uh, because those dances live in what they do today. Um, so with that in mind, like you are uh, a historian who specializes in the morphology of black dances, how these dances uh, grow and adapt and change over the course of you know, the 400 plus years that black people have been in America and even before that. So um, what are your thoughts in in regards to um, preservation versus innovation within these styles? Preservation versus innovation. And I might need to provide a little more context for this question. So um, this is a discussion I had with Dee last week where we're talking about like the Lindy Hop community, how, 
a lot of the people in that scene are just trying to do the dance as much as keeping as much as possible to as what they think it was done in a certain time period but anytime somebody tries to innovate it's kind of like squashed down and like you know you got to take that out etc and that's not just you know limited to that community there was a big debate um a few years ago between king charles and a lot of people in the house community because he was entering the house scene doing chicago footwork and he was winning battles and judging battles and doing all this stuff and house heads were like well that's not you know that's not house that's not you know you're not where's the jack where's the this where's the that you know and charles was like this joke (laughs) Charles was like, you know, this Chicago is the birthplace of house music. And this is how Chicago people dance that music. So how are you going to say that what I'm doing isn't house? Because it's not house from a New York perspective. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a difference. Like if if you got to be clear on what we're judging. So uh, Charles is not in a position. I love Charles to death, but Charles is not in a position to judge New York new york style house well like, i mean he you're, has you're, if you're, sorry go on i mean he, he he like he's not proficient in new york style house that i've known him for some time but a lot of him is chicago footwork mm. do the new york version um but when you're judging it needs to be clear so i think it needs to be clear mm-hmm. now just is if everybody is not doing if 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 you're teaching if you're if you're if your perspective is that house music was created in Chicago, which it was, um, but there's a I can break that down too. Oh, um, yeah. but and this there's is the nuance. way Chicago dances to, to it. Right. And this is the way Chicago danced to it. If everybody but if if you're judging a competition and everybody's doing New York house, you shouldn't be judging. In mm. my opinion, because mm. you're judging based off of, of Chicago and they're not doing that. When when Charles entered, we were in Sweden mm-hmm. uh, for, and this was the only time I was ever at any event that was, might have been the second time, uh, or the first, I think I only did it twice, that I was at an event that was for, you know, just the boot qualifications, mm-hmm. qualifiers. Um, and Terry was judging, Brooklyn Terry. Mm-hmm. Judging, King Charles enters. Him and his partner—I forget who his partner was. There's two uh, uh, a Swedish team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even think of their names right now. But to me, coming from the the East Coast, New York, Philly, Baltimore perspective of what house dancing was at that time, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, those two Swedish cats are clearly doing house. He's doing Chicago footwork, mm-hmm. which is not called house dancing. It's called Chicago footwork. Um, there is no there is no vocabulary in Chicago when it comes to house. So the the mere fact that you as a Chicago person can teach footwork and and steps is always is already a conversation of what the elders in Chicago is like. There are no steps in house. So then, what are you teaching? You teaching the way Chicago people dance, but then the the like there's but there's no footwork in house. So what? How are you teaching footwork? If there's just movement, there's just stuff you do. 
But I don't, I think it's just a conversation of what's expected as a judge and what are we actually judging. Mm-hmm. So I think that people should be doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and to talk to, to speak to Charles's uh, progression um, since like, uh, he definitely does like can do the New York style now, whereas yeah. in 2012, like he was not, you know, that's when he just started getting into it or right. possibly like a year or two before that. So now, like, you know, he's, it's definitely a different thing than it was yeah. then. So, yeah, there are. And are yeah, this was back then. Yeah. These are all these intersections, you know, um, but also like to the spirit of house. Right. When we're talking about like stuff that. Uh, people were doing in the clubs to the music being the dance, right? It, it's, yeah. it just seems like there's this, this um, big stress and importance on the codification of like, for it to be house, it has to be specifically the New York conception of what house dancing is. Yeah. But yeah. also when you talk to house dancers, you're like, no, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's inclusive and it's organic and it's, you know, everyone is welcome and this and that until they start losing at which point then it becomes like ah fuck this shit it's not house you know (laughs) (laughs) well i i mean personally i don't think any of these competitions should be going on i don't support any of them um uh even if i do show up i'm like i think this is ridiculous you show up under protest yeah it's a waste of time to me but like you know it becomes it comes down to the thing where it's just about it's all it's all personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Who do I think dance better to the music based on what I think good dancing is? This is mm-hmm. the judge. Yeah, uh, because there's no set criteria for what you're judging, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, boxing is boxing. I don't care who you get to judge boxing. If they know the rules, then they're going to judge boxing based on that criteria. Yeah, the last man standing at the end of the fight is the one who won. <laughs> right, <laughs> and you do that <laughs> a free for all. But like there, you know, you throw two people in the ring, there are rules. Yeah. And and they each know the rules and what we can do. Dancing is all opinionated. Half the people talking about musicality couldn't explain musicality. <laughs> and like musicality is not necessarily a thing. It's a label to mm. help you understand the nuance of music. Mm. And so that that's really what you're learning. But people, some people think because they hit a couple beats, that's musicality. And like people talk about the 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 in this bit, Moncel is referring to famed French celebrity dance duo Les Twins, but the audio inexplicably dropped. So, you know, here I come to save the day. Musicality. No, they don't. They're rhythmic, but that ain't musicality what they're doing. That's just rhythmical what they're yeah. doing. Um, and it's it's those understandings, and it's like I, that really gets lost in these, in these you know, competition situations for me mm. and house is that house is like you know if you watch uh amy sakata's documentary come as you are if you watch sally bang's documentary check your body at the door mm. that's clear like you dance however you want to dance the fact that people found a way to make money and this is really the hip-hop generation who appropriated house culture and then mm-hmm. started naming house steps based off of hip hop steps because all New York house steps are basically hip hop dances um, mm-hmm. done to, done to house music. And then give most for the most part, many of them given a new name. Like the farmer comes from doing the East Coast stomp. Mm. It, 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 the steps are simple. 
Um, but now that you're teaching it, you're teaching from a particular perspective, and you got the whole world wrapped up in believing that. So then you go to Summer Dance Forever, and you see cats doing African and winning house competitions, and you're like, well, I took your class, and you told me this is the house, and I don't see anybody doing anything I learned from you. Yeah, because that's the problem. House is supposed to be about your personal expression, not you, not a structured thing for you to win uh, a competition. Yeah. You to just express yourself. You don't need to take these people's classes if you don't want to. If you have a club to go to, you can go to the club and learn just how they learned. Mm-hmm. I and, and this I'm I'm such I'm so weird because I teach dance, but I'm also the same person who'll be like, uh, is a little bit of anti dance, like. You don't have to come to these classes if you understand the basic thing. Just go out and dance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge, like speaking as a guy who was, you know, as a white man who was raised in white culture and came to dance later, you know, because it wasn't part of my cultural upbringing. You know, that was a real uh, head trip for me because I thought for a long time it was all about technique, even working with Charles for a while. And it wasn't until like a few years in with Charles that Charles was like, yeah, we need to get you some groove, man. And I'm like, cool. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, like, and now it's all I want. But it's it's crazy that like you know, you just get the the to look back and see the the journey through through something like that. Yeah, even even technique is another hierarchical piece of BS for me. For real, like technique, in my opinion only means structural alignment mm-hmm. that's that's it it allows your body your body is in a, in a position that allows it to do something where the groove doesn't look choppy mm. right that there has a flow whatever that flow needs to be whatever that aesthetic is the technique is at it your arms your skeletal structure needs to be aligned that if you want to bounce this has to be aligned so that you can bounce and not be awkward um that's all that is, but the the groove is like everything. And um, once you understand not just the groove, but you understand the basic fundamentals of the dance and the basic foundation, you're good. Technique is a part of the thing, but it's like we're just talking about alignment. So, like, I kind of liken it to the house analogy, right? Mm-hmm. If if I want to build a house, I have to have my foundation, my flooring. Right. Yeah. There's a certain there's a certain type of footing that is that 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 is. So I have to have this foundation. What do I put on top of the foundation? I put support beams. Support beams are the technique. Mm. They they allow the fundamentals to connect to the foundation. What are the fundamentals? The fundamentals are having doors and walls and windows and a roof. So the three things work together. I want to have a roof. Well, I need support beams to put the roof on. I need walls to put on the support beams. I got support beams. That's my technique. <laughs> got the foundation, but you got to have them three working congruently like for it to happen. Mm. But that's how I look at it. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's that because you can have a foundation and no roof and you're going to be wet when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> for real though. You can have <laughs> technique and foundation and you're gonna be wet when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have them fundamentals, and the fundamentals for dance are 
and depending on what culture of dance you're in mm-hmm. and for the dances that you and I are talking about, that fundamentals is your groove, is your isolations, is understanding your own body, is your individual expression, is understanding your feelings, how, how music makes you feel, and not just music, but how are you feeling based in your life? Mm. What is the mood that life has you in? Because emotions play a huge part in it, and emotions don't last long, right? I break the word emotion down into three things, E, M-O, and T-I-O-N. E is energy, right? E equals MC squared. E, e is energy. Mm-hmm. M-O means ephemeral. It's short-lived. And this is, you can look this up in any dictionary. Uh, M-O is short for, it means ephemeral, short-lived. And T-I-O-N means action. So it's the mm-hmm. energy behind these short-lived actions. That's our emotions. We're not always happy. We're not always angry. We're not always, you know, whatever state we're in. And that plays into your feelings because the emotion is just the expression of what the brain is feeling, is the, is the, is the, the neurons that are you know, blowing off and everything as these signals are being passed that gives you the feeling. But you can feel sad and never cry and someone won't know you're sad. The emotion is the physical presence of whatever you're feeling in the brain. Mm. And it's, you need that. It's not just how the music makes you feel, but how do you feel? And then what, does the music drive that? Does it take you into a different sense of being, a uh, different sense of emotion? And so all this kind of goes, but all that's part of the fundamentals. And that leads into something I wanted to talk about too, because um, both you and King Charles, who I've mentioned is uh, my mentor of the last eight years, um, are longtime faculty members of an event local to Denver that happens every February, uh, the Disciples of Funk. Um, yeah. And DeAndre, DeAndre Carroll, DeAndre Carroll uh, episode one of my podcast. Um, I've been working with this dude for a few years now. It's been a real pleasure to be a part of that process. And for those who yeah, don't know, yeah, for real, for those uh, and Denver's lucky to have him. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, the OGs of all these varied styles come together in this event to show the common links between the past, present and the future of black cultural dances. Um, and one of my earliest memories of you in that event, uh, Monsell, <laughs> came from when you were judging one of the battles I was taking part in. And Charles comes, Charles approached me after, after I was in this thing and he's laughing and I was like, he said uh, something like that you'd express concern to him because there was this white kid in the battle that was trying to copy his style. <laughs> i remember that and then he told you that i was his student and uh, was in his crew and that was actually a big moment for me because it let me know that i still had a lot of work to do in finding my own voice separate from my teacher uh and most of the guests that i have on my show at one time or another speak of the importance of honest self-expression so as a teacher as someone who's stated repeatedly that teaching is is the thing that's been most important for you in this dance how do you help encourage that growth in your students because i know you can't do you can't do the work for them but like nah you know nah and 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 my goal is for you not to look like me my goal is for you to stand tall in your own identity Mm. um and within this practice of movement how do I do that is to get you to understand the roots of the movement. And I take all the style out of it. I've seen, I remember, I remember Link was teaching Link from Elite Force. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember Link was teaching the monastery one time. And I don't know where we were at, but he was doing it. And it was a part of the phrasing that he was doing. And at this at this time, Link used to do a lot of like like routines and, and you know choreographic phrasing and stuff when he taught his class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was doing that. And I see students are trying to copy what he's doing. Mm. And I'm like, that's the problem. Y'all, y'all are not Link. You cannot move your body like him. You don't understand your body the way he understands his body. You are two different people. The root of the monastery is the is the the workings of the legs. The rest of the body is interpretive. So once you understand the root of a step and you see where the improvisational play comes in, then you find your own voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a case in point: if everybody does the nay nay. Mm-hmm. The legs are the root movement of the nene. That never changes. Same with the monastery. The legs never change, but the way the rest of the body is utilized can change. So in the nene, if the legs never change, whether or not you have one arm extended or Mm -hmm. both arm extended or both hands on your knees, that's where you find yourself, where how you want to move while keeping the consistency of what identifies the dance. Mm. So once I tell my students, I was like, listen, you take, if you take six months, if you have the opportunity to study with me for six months, mm-hmm. you will no longer need to take anybody's hip hop dance class. You only take it if you want to take it. But in terms of knowing the fundamentals and the foundation of hip hop dance, you will have that information to the point that when you see a brand new dance, you will be able to identify the root movement, what is improvised, and, and based on what I teach people through the four bounces and through the isolations and through you know the rock, skate, roll, about all that, mm-hmm. you will be able to pick up any new dance that comes out. You won't, because my whole goal is like, you shouldn't have to come back to class and back and back and back. I'm supposed to give you the tools that will now allow you to go out and pick it up, mm. that, you don't, that you don't have to come back here. That's what I work towards. I see people going back to the same studio they've been going to for 10 years. I'm like, I don't know what kind of job y'all doing. Because <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> like, I'm I'm trying to give... They want I'm dependence. Going, yeah, but I'm going to give it to you, especially if, you're go, if, you're, if, if your goal, Rob, is to teach. I am going to give you the tools that are going to allow you to expound upon that. Mm-hmm. And now... Your students, I don't, I don't need to come in because you got it. Mm. Now the nuance, that's a little more tricky, right? The the root and fundamental, I can teach you how to bounce. I can teach you how to groove in a bounce. I can teach you, okay. I can teach you to see the four different bounces. I can teach you to identify those in any hip hop dance, right? And so that then you can expound upon that, mm. and. Now the the the, the thing ha- with the nuance, because in the nuance we're essentially learning dances created by young black kids. Mm-hmm. So again, dance is not created in a vacuum. The dance is based off of their lived experience, how they walk and how they move and how they gesture to one another. Their lines of corporeal communication, mm. and if that way of being in the world is not how you move and talk and communicate, then that's the nuance you're missing. And, but it's not to look like this idea of blackness. It's to, it's to look like how do you use your body when you communicate? 
That's what we're going to pull. We're going to pull that out of you. So we're going to give you this root of understanding bounce, rock, roll, skate, which exists in all dance forms. All dance forms, they do they, aesthetically, they approach it different. In ballet, you have ballons. It's mm-hmm. still a bounce, right? <laughs> True. It's the bounce. That's all it is. It's just aesthetically, we approach it through a different lens. But in every form of dance, they do the same four bounces that I've that I've what I've come to call the four bounces. Mm-hmm. I see it in every dance form, rocking and skating. It's in everything. So now that as a root to hip hop dance, it's now for me to pull out, well, what are the gestures in your social cultural spaces that you use? So when my Asian students are in class, and uh, you know, a Chinese student, what are some gestures? How do you use, how do you use your hands to talk? What are some things that are everyday practice for you? Like, what do you do in, when you're at home with your parents and your people? And how do we bring that? So now we're going to bring that into dance because that's what young black kids do. Mm. They bring it into the dance. The, the nene has nothing to do with dancing. It was made into a dance, but it's a social gesture that people do in black communities. So I then, these Filipino kids, my Chinese kids, Japanese kids, like we're black, whatever... What are the gestures or lines of communication that you use Mm -hmm. in your live, your day-to-day live practice? That's what you want to bring into the dance so that you are bringing a sense of self into it where you're not going to look like me because I don't, you don't, we don't do the same gestures. Mm. And I'm going to give you a way to like explore how you want to move. How does this music make you feel? How do you use your arms? I don't know what to do with my arms. Well, what do you do with your arms on a regular day? How do you walk? How do you brush your teeth? How do you comb your hair? How do you say hello to somebody? How do you shake hands? How do you, you know what I mean, fix your clothes? That that stuff becomes dance. This is why you get people popping their collar. Yep. But that ain't nothing but fixing your clothes. Yep. Getting your, you know, when your clothes wrinkle up, you want to be clean and it feels awkward on your body, you adjust it. That's all that is. But now we make it a dance. That's what people don't understand. I'm like, in black practice, that's what it is. Everything around you, everything that you do that has nothing to do with dance informs your dance. Mm. Watching a comedian and seeing a gesture that they do or see, hearing something they say, they're like, we, we pantomime, and that's part of the aesthetic. That is, yeah. you know, it's, it's understanding those aesthetics and bringing that into your movement practice. Oh, I love it. I'm geeking out at the moment. You see what I'm um, saying? So that, yeah. that, allows a, that allows a person to be an individual and not have to look like me. Because I'm not trying to teach you how to look like you. I'm trying to teach you to identify who you are. Mm. And then use this, uh, use this movement texture along with who you are and be comfortable in your own skin, your own way of being. Mm-hmm. And then, then you off dancing, you doing your thing, looking like you look. And people, people gonna like it or not like it, but as long as you enjoy what you're doing, and you feel comfortable in what you're doing, that's all that matters. No amount of judging. Nobody has the right or permission unless you give it to them, and you give it to them by entering into a competition. But no one has the right to judge the way another person chooses to express themselves. Oof. You can't judge that. You cannot, no one can judge that. They do, and it's because you allowed, you gave another person permission to judge you based on their idea of what good dancing is. 
Take them exactly. to church, Monso. This is why I don't like competitions. It's BS. It's total BS. Mm. I've never heard it all broken. Like, I've heard bits and pieces of this from many different people over the years that I've been a guest of this culture. But to hear it all in one place in the flow that you just uh, that you just worked out, that was that was choice. Thank you so much for that. Man, my pleasure. I can't say that I'm like, I'm right about everything, but I, I feel that I think in a different way than, than a lot of my peers think about it. Yeah. I mean, clearly. And I, that's one of the reasons that this podcast is even around is not, there's not a lot of new information being shared here, but it, sometimes it just takes the right messenger with the yeah. right message at the right time. So if you're hearing this, uh, at home and this just sparked something in you, if you just got excited and started thinking about all the ways that you dance and move and, and make your way through the world, then we've just done what we came here to do. And uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. So props Monsell. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I can do to help. Yeah. I mean, clearly. Um, and speaking of which, as mentioned in the intro, you wrote, a book you wrote a book on uh beginning hip-hop dance and one thing you know as a as a white guy who thinks too much it's been a long ass time for me to like unlearn a lot of the bad habits that were given to me by my culture in regards to like learning dance and a lot of you know a lot of things i'd hear is like you ain't gonna learn this from no book like etc and then somebody made a book so <laughs> why why did with that paradox in mind why did you write uh, a book on beginning hip-hop dance well sipping some tea well to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be honest with you i was asked <laughs> oh no way yeah, yeah I, I had no intentions of writing a book on dance mm -hmm. none i was asked uh human kinetics the people at Human Kinetics reached out to me and said, hey, we've been following your work for a long time. And they do a series. They have, I think they have the largest series of uh, magazine style books for um, uh, health and fitness and, you know, for sports and for dance. Mm -hmm. And um, they said, you know, we've been watching your work for a really long time. And we want to want to add to our series because they have like jazz and ballet and modern and all this uh, stuff okay. and tap and they said we want to add to our series we want to add hip-hop and we think that you would be the best person after following your work you seem to have a grasp on you know uh there's a foot in the street dance culture and there's a foot in academia yeah and it's like we think we you'll be the perfect person i was like okay i'm down <laughs> and um, right i'm like hey let's do it um <laughs> and i learned a lot <laughs> like it was 60,000 words, and I was like, the process was, you know, I'm not a writer. I didn't go to school to learn how to write. I just mm -hmm. I, I just had information. And yeah. so I, my writing skills got a little bit better as they continue to grow, because um, I wouldn't call myself a writer. Um, but it was really thinking about, okay, well, how do I put into words what I do in my class? Mm. And... Um, figuring out how to break things down and, and what can I offer because studios out here don't have a clue as to what hip hop is. Oh you, God, and, no. And you're talking to somebody who I used to teach 23 classes a week in studios and in universities. And I taught all over Philly. And um, 
you know, they just they just didn't know. And and at the time, hip hop was becoming in the early two thousands. Hip hop was becoming a thing that if studios didn't have it, it was really a money thing because if your studio didn't have a hip hop class, you were fearful that the students were going to go to Studio X down the street. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, so you had to offer it, even if you didn't know what you were offering. And oh, some yeah. some people thought it was all well. Hip hop is just a new name for jazz. Y'all are out of your mind because y'all ain't even teaching real jazz. Um, and I was, so I would be in these conversations with people. I'm like, they, they Mon- don't what? <laughs> Marcel, you, 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 this is how I started learning. This, this was my introduction with those bastardized jazz classes called hip hop in a studio. Yeah. And I was like, y'all need so much help. So, you know, <laughs> I was like, I hope the book and the book is beginning. So it's really geared towards if this is your first time ever being in a dance studio, it's really geared towards those people, but it's useful for teachers. It's useful for intermediate and advanced. Um, there's a little bit of something for everyone in here. So it talks about studio safety. It talks about personal safety, um, basic anatomy, basic kinesiology, um, mm. preventing common dance injuries, uh, treating common dance injuries, um, what a warm up should be, understanding fitness, nutrition, hydration, resting, um, how to dress in a class. Um, carrying your dance, you know, gear, what, what, what you should have in your bag down to stuff. Like don't put wet clothes in your bag, put them in a separate bag and, you know, just stuff like that. Personal hygiene, um, preparing yourself mentally and physically. Uh, there's a, in the chapter one, there's a defining hip hop dance, the benefits of studying hip hop, basic hip hop dancing, expectations, etiquette, um, evaluations, structure of a class. Uh, then you get into like chapter four, which is like basic hip hop techniques, you know, fun like approach and uh, alignment, stance, isolation, groove, going across the floor. Um, chapter five is on uh, uh, basic dances, like dances from the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And then chapter six is a history of hip hop dance. So the origins of hip hop. And I talk about appropriation and approximation of hip hop. I talk about commercialization of hip hop dance. Chapter seven goes into other forms related to hip hop, like locking and whacking and um, popping and uh, uh, house. So I'm like, mm. this was like to give people information that they didn't have. There's a, there's a web component to this, so you can actually see us doing some of the dances. And these are students of mine um, at USC, um, and it was aimed at really like breaking down those fundamentals. I break down what a cipher is from the spiritual component of it. Um, And it's not, you know, there's photos. It's like, you can't really learn how to do a dance from the photos, but the breaking down of the four bounces and what is the rock and the isolations. And these things give you an understanding of when you get into the class and someone's moving, you have information that's going to help you, you know, make that entrainment happen. And for those who are interested, we are going to be including a link in the show notes to where you can go to purchase this book um, and start this journey for yourself or, you know, supplement the knowledge you already have. Right. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I just and also, I mean, if you're interested in uh, funding Monsell's work, we're going to have a a link for uh, donations, as we do with all our dancers that come on this show, whatever apps that they use like if you feel a connection to what this man is saying if you want to learn more if you want to uh help in any way possible that information will also be provided cool so, sorry that. i yeah of no, course I'll, and, I'll, sorry what 
gone. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, um, I actually, I don't even know what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, I think this is, if I'm not mistaken, I could be, I think this might be other than Alien Ness's book. Um, mm-hmm. But Alien, Alien Ness's book is strictly about breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about, you know, the quote unquote party dances of hip hop. And I think this might be the first book written by a practitioner. Yo. On social hip hop dances. Uh, I, there, there are a couple. There are a couple books out there, but those people are like unknown in hip hop circles. Like, who are you? Like, nobody, <laughs> nobody. You're a studio kid in somewhere in Middle America, and you wrote a book. Yeah, sure. no, they got it, the the photo on the cover is them like you know in some kind of Y kick or dumbass yeah. pose. For, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. But I think this I, might be the first one that by a practitioner that's known in the community that put a book out on the social dances. It's certainly the first one I've heard of. So we're pushing that hard y'all. Um, so we've got two questions left in the time that we have remaining to us. Right. Uh, the first one, as a historian, you've spent years looking into the past. What are your hopes for the future of this culture? Somebody else asked me that question. And I actually, honestly, I don't know. Um, because this is what I do know. Mm-hmm. The heritage of black people, African-American people, of, of you know, whatever you want, people of color, of Afro-diasporic people, the heritage of those people, dance is such a prevalent thing that we don't dance for art's sake. Mm. We dance for life's sake. And so, and when, and when I say art, there's a performative space, what I mean, because actually, like, I, I, it, it, I, it took me a, a year of grappling with the idea of art. And um, because I'm an artist, well, I'm a visual artist. I, I used to own my own graphic design shop. Mm-hmm. And um, when I think about art, just for a little digression, when I think about art, art is something that you, uh, you take a photo and you hang it, you frame it, and you hang it on the wall. Or you paint a picture, you frame it, you hang it on the wall. Art is completed. It's a finished product, mm-hmm. right? Dancing is never a finished product. So I'm like, this, it's not art to me. I, I, would, I did not see dance as art because art to me is something that I hang on a wall. I frame it and I'm done. Even if I feel like it was not finished, it's going to be a point where it's done. And I hang it on the wall and I'm, you know, I sell it and there it goes. Yep. And, and then I'm done with that one. I'm painting another one. I never done with my dancing. So uh, art became, and I'm like becoming known as the, for make, making acronyms for every damn thing. But <laughs> after a year, a year of just looking and thinking about the word art, mm-hmm. I came up. I came up with an acronym that allows me to connect dance to art. And, and that is art is the awareness reflective of transcendentalism. And so awareness, I mean, I can go deep into awareness, but awareness simply being aware of uh, your subconscious is subconsciously aware of what's going on um, and it, and how that is reflective and, re- and reflective in the sense of representation, representation mm-hmm. in the sense of one's culture and transcendentalism the way that you identify how a person lives. What are these things that are happening, um, mm. right? Your, your lived situation. 
And so I'm like, all right, in that case, dance is art because it's that. It's the awareness that is reflective of my transcendentalism. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> I say that to say we dance. We don't dance to just get across the room. You know, you don't dance to get across to the other side of the room. You dance as part of your life practice. And those people I initially named, we're going to do this forever. It's part of our heritage. It's what we do. We don't do it to be on stage. And what we do on stage is the same thing we do in our social spaces. It, mm. doesn't, it doesn't change. You don't take the minuet and reconstruct it to be ballet, to now be presented on stage. And really the only place you see ballet is on stage. You don't go to a club and necessarily do ballet. You can do movement from ballet in a club, especially if you're in a house club. Oh, yeah. But we do this. So the future of dance, I'm like, it's, it's going to be what it is. That the community of people, at least in my community, the communities I come from or related to, we dance. And we are constantly going to dance. We are going to dance even if there's no battle, if there's no competition, if there's no performance, we are still going to dance, even if we don't make money. So the future is going to be the continuation to me of that. What that is going to look like, I have no idea, but I can I can almost guarantee with certainty that if it's black folk or African people or if it's Latinx people, they're going to be dancing. Amen. Uh, well, that was perfect. Thank you. And um, that actually leads well into the last thing I wanted to ask you. So you'd mentioned that someone had recently asked you that question. Yeah. And... Um, I have seen over the years you have done more interviews than can be counted. Uh, so in all of that, I guess my question to you is, what is a question that you've always wanted to be asked? Oh, that's a good one. And I don't have an answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to throw a curve if I can. So you can take a sip of your drink. There's no rush. I mean... <laughs> I can edit you know, that shit if necessary. There, there. <laughs> all right, this is gonna be a problem. This is gonna be a real problem. <laughs> this is gonna be a real problem, and I'm not a person to tell lies. Um, I got you. There is, there is a question that I am waiting for someone to ask and yeah because I'm not going to offer this information up so I'm mm -hmm. waiting for that question to be asked and then I'll answer it mm. I don't okay. know I don't know if I can necessarily I don't know if this is the time because you didn't actually ask the question you no I definitely me. I cheated I cheated right. but, you you know, I, me. I do I do know that everyone has one so, oh yeah, I got one. Some, yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. But um, yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a bit of trickery on my part, and I can absolutely respect you and uh, your decision not to. But um, you know, it's always worth a shot. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Um... <laughs> but now you yeah, do realize I'm gonna spend I'm gonna spend years like trying to figure out what that question is, and I'm gonna get you back on here, and I'm gonna ask it. Like, I'll make I'll make it my mission. I'll make it my mission. We can do this today, Monsell, or we can do this in a decade, but it'll happen. Uh I don't know. It ain't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just 
All I hear is a challenge. That's all I hear. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, you know, it's going to hurt. It's definitely going. I don't know. You know, it might hurt some feelings. It might not. But it, um, um, yeah, it, 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 it yeah. <laughs> all right. No worries. Uh, can you give us a clue? Can I give you a clue? Yeah. Um, Without giving it away. It, um, without giving it away. The question would have to be. You know what? Bunk it. I, I ain't got time for all this. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is. Like, the question has to do with my... So, initially, I told you... What did I tell you in the beginning? Who, who inspired me to, 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 to want a career as a dancer? Mop Top. All right. And my goal was to what? Do you remember? Be a member of Mop Top slash Elite Force. Right. Right. So why didn't that happen? Right, right. <laughs> the question, there's the question. Um, yeah, uh, well, I found out quite, um, quite shockingly, not all dreams are meant to come true. Mm-hmm. It's the same way as like not all goals are meant to be reached. This is this is part of that philosophy for me that not all goals are meant to be reached, that, you know, my goal was to be in this alignment so I could see this door over here. And that's where I'm actually supposed to be. And I am there. And yeah. quite quite successful being in my own lane. But, you know, I found out that I had no shot of ever being in elite force. Damn. And I did not know that. And other mm-hmm. people had to wake me up. To the re- to the realization, this is nothing against the crew, but it just is what it is. And then there's an aspect of it that I see it the way that I see it. Uh, I've never talked to any of them about this except for Terry. Terry is the only one who knows this story. Mm. Um, and so I'm like doing everything that I can do. Mm-hmm. To show them, you know, you want to be down with somebody, you're going to show them like, yo, I'm down. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So I'm, you know, even to be a part of uh, Mop Top, Stretch was like, yo, I just can't make you Mop Top. The rest of the crew got to meet you. Yeah. Terry, Terry was, I knew Stretch since 90. And, um, you know, I, I stepped away from dancing. This is when I owned my shop. And then when I came back into dance, Terry was the first person out of the crew I had met, uh, you know, other than Stretch. And so I met Terry and Shelter, and we became fast, fast friends. And, um, you know, slowly but surely, I met everybody in the crew. Yeah. And what I didn't know is Elite Force was pretty much Link's crew, or this concept that it's Link's crew. Yeah. And Mop Top was Stretch's crew. And Mop Top was first. And then then along the years, Mop Top became Mop Top family. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and, you know, I'm like, I, I want to be down. So, you know, uh, a couple of times they, they would have, you know, rehearsals with 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 uh, 
with, with for a Mariah show and Stretch was like, yo, come come up to rehearsal. So I'm going to rehearsals. Uh, one time I got them, I almost had them scheduled to go on Ricky Lake show. Yeah. Um, right. But it, I forget what happened. They were doing something. They couldn't make it or whatever. And and I I I got stretched into coming out to Motion Underground in Denver. So I'm like, yo, I'm 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 showing up. I'm in the club. I know everybody. I'm dancing. I'm showing that y'all like because I looked at the dynamic of the crew. Um, I'm like, I'm getting y'all work. Uh, I'm trying, you know, I'm just trying to show like, yo, I'm I'm down. Like, You're down. I'm, yeah. I'm with this. Right. About I'm, it. I'm getting you jobs. I'm bringing you, they bringing you out to Denver. Um, they kept bringing stretch out to Denver even when I stopped going. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I looked at the dynamic of the crew and I'm like, all right, well, Link and Stretch got hip hop on lock. Uh, Ejo and Terry got house on lock. Ja got, you know, hip hop. And yeah. I was like, well, the weak link is locking. None of them are as, as good as locking as stretch. Yeah. So I spent two years doing nothing but locking. I, you can ask anybody. I put my house shoes down, and all I focused on was locking. I dressed like a locker all the time. I got my locking skills on point. And then yeah. Stretch became my locking partner. We even uh, entered battles together. And uh, we did performances, just, just he and I, locking performances. And um, so I'm like, yo, I, that's, that's, I'm trying to show my worth in the crew. And um, it, it was it was kind of all in vain, and uh, mm-hmm. so you know I'm I'm doing all this, and then and then uh, one time they, they they the crew got an anniversary gig. I think this was in 2004. They got an anniversary gig to go to Japan. They hadn't been to Japan as a crew in like I think 10 years or something. It was, mm. and so I'm coming to rehearsals, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking I'm like I'm picking up the choreography. I'm thinking I I might have a shot. Getting in this, and it makes sense because I wasn't in elite with their last show, so why would I be in the show now? And they're yeah. bringing you know, they're bringing them back. But, um, Link says to me, He's like, Yo, we're gonna give you an extended solo, and I'm like, Cool, he's like, You're gonna have the longest solo in the gig, you're not gonna do the choreography, we're gonna bring you out to do a solo. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's kind of like an introduction, I'm like, I'm really gassed, I'm like, Oh, that's dope, like, they're gonna bring me in to do the thing. Um, and then I'm still thinking in my mind, like, this is, might be like, you know, a, a way in, you know, this I'm, might be it. Yeah. Right. Getting some acknowledgement and like, we're going to do this. And I totally understand they're bringing you guys back. And that makes sense that I'm not in the show, but that you're going to give me an extended, the, the longest solo in the gig is dope. And so, you know, I fly myself to Japan. Mm-hmm. I pay for my own hotel room in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only thing I asked, because Bobby went to get shirts one day. The only thing I asked Bobby was like, dude, could you at least just get me a shirt? The 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 clothing was white sneakers, jeans, and Bobby was going out to get shirts. And at the time I wore Nietzsche everything. And I actually owned the shirt that Bobby went and purchased, but I didn't bring it with me. Mm-hmm. And Bobby didn't buy me. Whether Whoa. or not he heard me, he forgot, he said, no, I don't know. But I know mm-hmm. he didn't have a shirt in the bag for me. Terry gave me a blue shirt of his to kind of match a little bit because the shirts that Bobby got were some of them were white and some of them were blue. And they were like yeah. the red, white, and blue and Nietzsche shirts. Yeah. Um, so Terry just gave me a blue shirt that had some other kind of print on it. I'm like, cool, thanks. And now, mind you, 98, I become a member of Mop Top. But 98, I also become a member of Rennie Harris Pure Movement. 
Yeah. I'm gonna, I barely know them. I know Cricket more than I know anybody because me and Cricket have been going to the clubs for years. And <clears throat> so my first show with Rennie Hatcher Movement, Ron Wood, one of the dancers, and I don't really have, again, I don't really have a strong relationship with them. Even though I've been apprenticing for two years, I don't hang out with them. I don't go to clubs with them. I hang out with Cricket. And the rest of them, I don't really know like that. But Ron Wood comes up to me. He's like, yo, this is the handshake we do before we go on stage. And this is my first show after apprenticing. So I do the handshake with him. I'm like, thanks. And then everybody else does the handshake with me. I'm accepted in like, yo, let's go. Like, you want us now? Boom, here we go. Mm. I have been, I've known Stretch since 90. I've been running with this clue. I done slept in Terry's house. I done slept in Link's house. I run with y'all. I, I live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is four hours away. I drive to New York at the drop of a dime. It'd be two in the morning. And Terry be like, yo, what you doing? Nothing. Yo, let's go to the club. And I will drive to New York. Um, that working, yeah. Right? And you might not get to the club till eight in the morning sometimes. And, and the club's going to like 12. Or sometimes I'll show up at two in the morning and we go to the club. Whatever. We run it. I run with y'all more than I run with these cats. As a matter of fact, when I auditioned to be in Rennie Harris Trim Movement, Bobby and Terry was with me. I got it on mm. videotape. Mm. And so now we in Japan. We in a club that used to be owned by Prince. And we, it's, it's us, Bob Top Elite, it's Marjorie and Tweety representing Dance Fusion, it's mm -hmm. Pete, Skeet, and Sam for Electric Boogaloos. This is all one show. It's time to go on stage. We all backstage. This is a small backstage area. We ain't but three feet away from each other. They do their special handshake that they've been doing since they've been on tour, I guess. Not one of them said a damn thing to me. Mm. They There was no, yo, this is the handshake we do before we go on stage. I felt completely excluded in that moment. And here I'm with this other crew in Philly who don't know me. And the first thing they do before we go on stage is show me their handshake and make me a part of the crew in that way. Um, but nothing. No get them sell, good show, nothing. Absolutely mm. nothing. And it broke my heart. And mm. I went on stage. I murked it as best I could. Flowmaster was in the show. Flowmaster came up to me. He was like, yo, you wrecked it. I hear I can hear Terry and Bobby screaming from the wings my doing my solo, but like the moment before going on stage is what meant the most to me, and I felt completely ignored. Mm. And that that shifted my idea of me thinking I'm gonna be down with elite. But then there was some other stuff that was said to me that I won't go into. Uh -huh. Um and it was just it was just like, yo, you never had a shot at being down with them. And it just shifted my mentality. It's like, yo, dreams don't always come true, but uh, this ain't where I was supposed to be in that capacity. And so my my idea of what Mop Top was completely changed. Um, I I I I only say it now as a you know I got put down with Mop Top in '98, but I really don't know what that means. Mm. Like, cause it don't do anything. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't. They don't do stuff. They don't do mop top workshops. They don't do things with that name. It's just the name. And now it's just mop top family where it, at one point I, I felt a sense of um, inclusion to this, this group. It's like, yeah, this is, but now it's like family. Well, it's everybody. Well, that, that, that definitely don't mean the same thing to me anymore. Um, yeah. 
you know, it's it's a club that just went. Everybody has access to the club now. Not not, not that that means everybody gets in, but yeah, it was just a different thing. It was like, yeah, you'll you'll never be elite, and um, yeah, I'm 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 actually good with that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, honestly, like it. You're talking about the divergence of paths and and, and this and that, and uh, for what it's worth, like the place that you have come to to build for yourself and occupy within the culture, the the work that you've put in, the amount of students that you've brought up and the the change that you've instilled in so many people. Um, I think it speaks for itself. And, you know, I for one am, am happy that you're you're still doing your thing and you're still out here and you're still, you know, giving so much to all of these different people. And the yeah. fact that you chose to come on to like this very small podcast and, and, and share your story, all these aspects, you know, it's, it's very humbling and I'm honored. No, and this is the first time I've ever shared this story. No one's ever heard this. Like I said, the only person that knows it is Terry. Yeah. And three people that know this story, Cricket, Terry, and Tweety. That's it. And it's not done to, it's not done to stir up controversy. It's no, not done to totally do anything. Not. It's done to, it's it like, there's this thing where the, the truth will out, you know, it's, yeah. it's necessary because if you just hold that in for the rest of your life, like, you know, that right. does something, you know, regard, it might not, you know, do something serious, but it still does something. So, it you know, changes it's your molecules, man. It does it yeah. changes molecules of your being. And um, yeah, it's definitely not done out of malicious or anything like that. Absolutely um, not. And I don't even think they, that I'm pretty sure I know they don't even realize. Yeah. You know, and, and not that they were, they just don't even know. They, they, I don't think they even thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like, you know, it, it is what it is, but it, it, it woke me up. And um, yeah. yeah, cause like, you know, when you think about it, you know, Khalif runs with them. Khalif could be, could be elite, but he's not. Yeah. And that's, that's they do. Like, they know Lincoln Stretch has known Khalif way longer than me. They grew up together pretty much, yeah. you know? So I'm like, and if, like, if, well, shit, if he ain't a lead force, what the hell makes me think I'm ever going to be in a lead force? <laughs> you know? But, uh, but yeah, One. it's cool. And it's like, if I would have got down with them in that way, because Stretch actually off, like, we were, they were rehearsing for, I think it might have been Stretch's last gig with uh, Mariah. I'm not sure, but. He he I was rehearsing with him. He was like, yo, if you can get to California, come. And mm-hmm. he he was gonna make me a swing dancer. Um, but I had a bad experience with something was said that I won't I won't mention now. But um but I but and it it was about it was a couple of things, and one of the things was about Mariah not letting me into the stadium to finish the rehearsals into the, the uh into the staples center. I think that's where she was gonna be at. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I took that to heart because I had already had a bad experience with that and Mariah in when she did Divas Live, and this is mm-hmm. actually the night the night I met Terry when she did Divas Live at the um, can't think of that theater on, on Broad Street, um, but Stretch told me to come, so I'm there and I'm backstage with all the dancers, and Mariah comes up and I'm sitting on this chair and you can kind of, Mariah's in the hallway and she's talking to Stretch and you can see me sitting on a chair. And she didn't know who I was. So she was like, well, I don't know him. He, he's got to go. And Stretch, Stretch came over to me. He's like, yo, you know, 
I'm sorry, man, but yeah, I was like, oh, it's cool. I just, I, I'm going down to the club. I went to Shelton. And um, so having that experience and then someone standing to me like, yo, she might not let you in the stadium because she don't know who you are. And so I already had plane tickets. I, I had plane tickets. I was going to LA. Damn. And, and the morning, the cab ride onto the airport, I had that in my head. And I told the cab driver, yo, take, it was, it was, it was during, um, Rennie had uh, Illadelph Legends, this festival he does every summer. Mm-hmm. And it was during that. I, and on the way to the airport, I told the cab driver, I was like, yo, just turn around, take me to Chestnut Street. And I, and I just, I didn't ask for my money back, my tickets, I just let it go. And Stretch didn't know that. And he found out, I think last year I told him. And mm-hmm. he was hot. He was hot. Because it, mm-hmm. it was, a, it was a, another reason I didn't go to when I won't get into that. But um, yeah, so I think if I would have went with them, I different path. I, I don't think I would have been on the path because I, I definitely wouldn't have moved to Philly. I would have moved to New York because I would have been making money to, that I felt comfortable living in New York, which is the only reason I didn't move to New York. I thought it was too expensive, and I'm not a type of person that's going to live with a roommate. Well, I mean, regardless, like the path that you did forge for yourself uh has been remarkable yeah and with that said uh we have come to the end of the time uh that we have available so um i just want to shout out again uh just how amazing it is that uh you've come on how honored uh that i am to to be able to have this discussion with you and all the information that you've been able to share with the listeners at home many of whom you know probably know of you and have heard this before and many of whom, you know, this is the first time. So it is truly an honor. Uh, honor is mine. You know, the, the, the life is an interesting thing. You know, the, the, the mere fact that you even make a connection or make a friendship or, or make whatever with another human being on this planet, given the fact that, you know, none of us asked to be born. None of us knew what country we were going to be born in or, you know, any of that. And mm-hmm. so to connect with another human being um, and then to be asked to participate in something, you know, because of, you know, whatever the reason, the, the honor is mine. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, I can't really say anything to that because that's fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can say that we miss you in Denver. Uh, we weren't able to have you for this last uh, disciples. Um, so yeah, the next one, I hope. Yeah, I mean, who knows what's going on with all this plague bullshit? But hopefully, yeah. Like I do know that we will have another one, and and when that time comes, um, I was I, I was just uh, talking to Boo about this because you know we were the last time he was in town for it, and I was saying like I think the reason I look forward to disciples every year and it's one of my two top favorite events i've ever been to um is it very much feels like a family reunion yeah, you know? yeah. very much I so and like that. when when y'all get up and do the panel discussion uh that my is my favorite part it is my favorite part too it is for me it's the most valuable part of the whole experience yep. and it's the part that that yep. gets the least amount of people to come watch and i'm like you guys do not know what you're missing like it, it like you do not know to hear y'all when you and when you and millicent like are talking like that stuff sets my blood on fire sometimes Ooh. like when she talked about listen, the, they, oof. So, go on yeah 
they no, nah, they all get me going. I just be there t- learning and taking notes and like, oh, you know, to be there to to be there with Millicent, to be there with Chester, um, with with Archie Boone, and Quick, with, Rock, and with Quick, with Archie. It's like what the flip? Like this is that's the dream. Like yo, I just I just need to sit here and take in all this information. Uh, but yeah, that 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 connection of bringing generations of people together. Uh, for other people to witness and gain some insight, that's my favorite part. Yeah, um, I, I, and D already knows I do not like competitions. I do not like battles. <laughs> <laughs> See, like we need to judge. I'm not judging, bro. I can't do it. I, I judge. <laughs> I, I think. I think I judge. Actually, I th- I think I was. I don't remember judging the first one. I think I stepped away and was like, Nah, I'm not. Nah, let them do that. I don't mm. want to do it. I don't mm. remember if I judged it or not, but I know I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's everything else that I like. And and if we can figure out a way to get people to, to come more and see that and witness that and participate. Um yeah, that's that's well, what I would love to see happen. Well, that's the bonus of all this extra time that we all suddenly have to ourselves. We can start reflecting and right? figuring out what we're gonna do when we can see each other again. So right, right. Can't take that for granted. Yeah, I um, know. Oof. So uh yeah, stay safe out there. Uh in Cali. Uh I know it's all crazy right now, but oh it's a hot um, spot. <laughs> it's if I mean when is it has when has it not been? But uh, this, this ain't a good one though. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but it <laughs> stay safe out there, man. And uh well, yeah, Mike. The same. Thank you, thank you. Um my guest today uh, has been um, Monsell Il Cosby Durden. Uh, it has been an honor to share with you, sir. Uh, is there anything you want to, any closing messages or ideas you want to leave the people at home with? Um, uh, I guess that, you know, mentor Baba Chuck Davis, if you want to understand the culture, study the dance. If you want to understand the dance, study the people. Um, mm. That's one. I will leave with you my acronym for dance. I'm sure some of you have heard this before, but dance for me is discovering the autobiographical self, negotiating, creativity, and expression. Human beings are in constant discovery of what? Their narrative, who they are, their autobiographical self. What are we negotiating? We are negotiating our bodies, our minds, our space, our genders, our culture, our religion, our voice, so on and so on. The creativity then becomes the production of those things that we are negotiating. The expression is the space that we allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to share our inner core feelings with others, but more importantly, ourselves, because human beings deny self before they deny anybody else. Mm. So that it's a life dance as a philosophy of life, of not just the physical movement, but life of discovering our autobiographical self, negotiating our creativity and our expression. Um, The only other thing I would say in this moment is, you know, for all of you, stay safe, take care of yourself, take care of others, and whatever you're doing, whatever other cultural practice you're interested in, 
dance-wise, singing-wise, know that these are cultural expressions. They are tied to the people that gave birth to them. So you are, since learning another culture, have empathy, take it beyond the movement and understand the people. Goes back to Baba Chuck Davis. And um, let us get back to a space of humanity where we can mm-hmm. celebrate what it is to be human, uh, the travesties, the calamity about being uh, a human being and how we try to find a better sense of humanity that we have different lived experiences, but there's only one race and that is the human race. Um, there was one other thing and it just slipped my mind. Uh, but like that is, those are some of the key things. It's just, yeah, recognizing our differences and finding our similarities through our differences. Uh, again, go back to celebrating our humanity. Uh, we can we can have the, yeah we can have debate sorry, we can have debate and all that was fine, but uh, getting back to a sense of of humanity, I think, is a key thing. And that's something, uh, yeah, we try to celebrate here. So in that spirit, uh, we raise our glasses for the final toast. Yeah. To, to the end of the world. To Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. I ain't going to go to the end of the world, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say to, to the spiritual beings having a human existence. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Mm. And yeah, uh, I that's... A traditional toast uh, for this podcast, which I think people mistake uh, to be negative, um, ah, but I've explained you? it. I've explained it with King Charles. It was because uh, he was like very hesitant to come onto a show called <laughs> Drinking and Dance at the end of the world because a he doesn't drink and b he's not about the apocalypse talk. And I for me, I yeah I know right, <laughs> but for me, um, if, when I toast to the end of the world, it's the end of what was. And to right. the beginning of something new. Right. You know? I get you. Walking Dead. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> there with you go. Walking Dead. Love that show. <laughs> Walking Dead was the truth. Oh, yo, for real. Like, um, I had a friend of mine that hated that show, but I was like, it's not about the dead people walking. It's about how human beings find empathy, how we survive, how we, you know what I mean? Resilience. I, I even, yes, it's all of that. Yeah. I'm like, it's so much more than zombies. <laughs> yeah. It's just packaged in uh, zombies. So, right, eh. right. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, Rob Celtic. Uh, my guest today has been Marcel Durden. Um, and we are signing off. We will endure. We will grow. And we will overcome. God bless. Peace. This episode of Drinking and Dance at the End of the World was written and produced by me, Rob Celtic. Music for this episode was provided by the one and only Feathers. That's F-T-H-R-S. You can find his new album, Floating, on Spotify and Bandcamp under Feathers. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash drinkingandance and donate for early episode releases, bonus episodes, personal shoutouts, and more. 
Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to like, favorite, and follow on Spotify and Anchor. We'll see you next time.